When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Welcome into a very late episode of Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast. I don't know if it's the windstorm or what is going on, but Ryan and I were doing some audio tests before we started here, and he's like, um, you sound like you're in auto-tune or something. What was that like, Ryan? Because I didn't hear it. Yeah, you know, that's exactly what it sounded like. It sounded like your voice was auto-tuned in the moment, and it, it definitely caught me off guard for sure. Well, we are all systems go. We think hopefully the windstorm doesn't knock out power or knock out uh, internet or anything like that. We can get through the show. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Shout is brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Better meals start with better meats at the best deals in town at Tops. While the other stores have their meat packed in central processing facilities, Tops has real butchers you can trust to serve the very best to your family every single day check out some of these deals going on right now get yourself some tops fresh 80 percent lean ground beef 2.99 a pound you can go get top center cut pork rib or loin chops 2.99 a pound beef cube steaks or stew 6.99 a pound all natural chicken wings 3.69 a pound you want to cook for bills versus Steelers this weekend they got the hookup over at tops go check it out and head over to topsmarkets.com to get the latest uh weekly ad and all the deals are laid out for you Ryan, um, you know, this is the first week in a while where the Bills are dealing with some injuries, you know, going into a game. I mean, we start off the week here with four players that didn't practice today. Uh, Gabe Davis with the knee, Rasul Douglas with the knee. Taylor Rapp suffered a calf injury at the end of that game uh, when he had the interception at the end. And then finally, um, Gabe Davis, uh, I don't know, I mentioned him with the knee. Who was the other one? I think he called Tyrell Dotson, but he Tyrell was Dotson, limited. yeah. So he has the shoulder. He said he wasn't going to practice. He ends up being uh, limited. That's what kind of threw me off for a loop there, uh, which is a good sign. The, here's the biggest good sign of all is that all of them are in that day-to-day bucket. A lot of times when guys have no chance to play at the end of the week, Sean McDermott will usually give them a week-to-week designation. Today, uh, all those guys got put in that day-to-day bucket, which is a huge update. Yeah, that, that is a huge update. When you hear day-to-day – that's very encouraging because Sean McDermott's usually pretty spot on with those assessments when he says day-to-day versus week-to-week and and knowing that uh, all four of those players could potentially be in play for Sunday's game, uh, it's big news. I mean, listen, you want to have Rasul Douglas out there in, in a game where the Pittsburgh Steelers have a George Pickens and a Deontay Johnson. Uh, even if the weather might make it look more like a, a run type of game or a keep it on the ground kind of game. You want your best cornerback out there. You want Gabe Davis out there. I know that the statistics are are up and down, but he's also one of the best blockers they have on this team. So if you can get some of those key guys out there, even if they're you know slightly less than 100%, that will be a big win for the Bills. I want to get into all this, but let's bring up our good buddy Scott Maranto, which, by the way, been a long time since we saw scott at a live yeah um where where you been you lose our address yeah i haven't seen you in in months i feel like my long lost best friend is just nowhere to be found hopefully we can convince scott to come out and party with us this saturday night 6 
p.m. at the brand new Waynuts. It's even shorter drive for you, Scott. I know where you live. Um, fourteen oh two Millersport Highway, Amherst, New York, across the street from Millersport. Yeah, shots are fired, Scott. Shots yeah. are fired. Um, come out this Saturday night. We are going to be there around six. It's six to seven. Is that that window usually where we hang out? We talk bills. We usually get a beer or two, or in Ryan Ryan's case, four in them. <laughs> have a couple chicken wings. Um, you know, have a good time. We do the podcast at seven. We got a couple people coming out. I think um, former intern AJ Sabalski now rocking it uh, at the Batavia Daily News. He will be out for the show. Uh, he'll come on for a segment um, and some other things, maybe potentially too. But we're going to preview Bills versus Steelers at Wingnuts, 1402 Millersport Highway this um, Saturday night. Scott asked, Matt, do you use two times the product on a windy day like this asking for a friend? I actually don't. This was a regular. Uh, kind of product of a day. And if you look really closely, you can look at how disheveled this all is going on right now. It was a windy day. It was blustery. Felt like Winnie the Pooh. I was just bouncing all over the place, walking outside the, the facility and, and, and the hair had to get redone a couple of times. D- does Winnie the Pooh bounce around? Yeah. Like, Ooh, a blustery day. Come on. <laughs> Come on. That's pretty good. That was good. That, uh, oh, bother. Right. I, so my daughter loves, Winnie the Pooh. Like we watched that. As a matter of fact, we have not watched it in a while, which I'm just now realizing and getting emotional about. Like from the age of one to four, it was on like repeat everywhere. And I just remember like there was one episode where he was like, it's a real blustery day outside and Pooh was having a hard go of it. So that that's my, my instant recall there. Apologies if that's not synonymous. No, right? no, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I was thinking like Tigger, he's the one that bounces on his tail all the time. So that's what I was thinking. A little Winnie the Pooh oh, here. Sorry, uh, Sarah Scott's wife says that that's Tigger. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, all right. Um, shout out to our to our good buddy uh, Pops Mafia Harold in the comments. Uh, you can find him on his own YouTube channel. Uh, he does uh, a lot of uh, giving his takes as well. I saw him. I think it was at the Patriots game, right, Harold? Saw you. He he is all. You can find him off to the side, usually like peering over. Uh, giving out um, Funko uh, pop toys and uh, different kind of baubles to to players, and he's usually getting autographs. His man cave is probably legendary. Uh, I've seen some of his posts on, on social media, so shout out to Pops Mafia. All right, let's get into some Bill stuff here. Um, I want to start with Davis because you said something interesting, and I said it on my hit on WGR today about Gabe Davis, and I said I'm not saying the Bills are better without Gabe Davis. And I, and I, and I believe that, but is there a potential for this offense to potentially find more synergy without Gabe Davis? If that makes any sense, because I think it, it props up two guys, Shakir and Kincaid specifically into larger roles without the feeling of like, okay, if, if, if Gabe, what's the big knock on Gabe Davis, he's not getting enough separation. If he's not out there and you don't feel like you got to, and I'm not saying they do force feed him, but those targets get. Dis, like like dispersed between other options. I just wonder if what we saw in the second half and even on that one Trent Sherfield touchdown drive, if we didn't just see this offense operating a little bit more on schedule and more ideally what they want to be, which is not forcing it to one any one place, but letting the, the reads dictate where Josh goes with the ball in the passing game. No, that, that's a valid point. And, you know, the, the two players you mentioned propping up, Khalil Shakir and, and Dalton Kincaid are – two guys that are sure-handed, two guys that are finding ways to get open, really good with their route running, um, making big plays for this offense. So it's never a bad problem to have too many mouths to feed, to have that many weapons on the field, but maybe it does help this offense go a little bit. And you're not getting a significant drop-off in blocking necessarily if you have Trent Sherfield out there, for instance. Uh, Sherfield one year ago was the PFF's top blocking wide receiver in the league. So uh, there are some things that the Bills can replicate based on the uh, the players that they have. And, you know, we, we just saw Khalil Shakir be the game's leading receiver, not just Buffalo's, but Buffalo and Miami's last week. We've seen Dalton Kincaid step up when called upon, and we saw Stefan Diggs have his best game in quite some time on Sunday as well. We did. And, you know, Sherfield too, like, remember we spent all that time in the middle of the season with fans really frustrated with the lack of, production from Sherfield. And now it's kind of be crystallizing a little bit that he was like a, a Taylor rap, right? Like in that, in that mold, like an, in case stuff happens mm-hmm. option, 
right? Like it was never going to work in terms of a high snap count while Davis was in the lineup and getting snaps. But you saw his ability to be that really important depth once that Gabe Davis went out. Trent Sherfield was more of a, um, you know, a, a supplemental type of role uh, while Gabe Davis is healthy and it elevates that role when he, when he, when he's out of the lineup. And I thought he made the most of his opportunity going back and watching that game, Ryan, it wasn't just the touchdown, which was spectacular. I think he made another play in the passing game as well. He had a couple catches. Did you notice him? Uh, and I didn't notice it live and even watching it back a couple times because you saw different angles. And Oh, by the way, did you watch, um, hard knocks? I did not know. Okay. I know Bills fans really probably enjoyed that seeing the the anguish and the and the uh, just the misery on the sidelines of the Dolphins up close as the Bills uh, really uh, got after them. But on that play, if you noticed, Gabe or uh, Trent Sherfield ends up running a route and kind of holding up his guy and clearing the way for Knox to get outside in the flat and make that play for a touchdown. Yeah, and the Bills on that drive not just the touchdown. I feel like Khalil Shakir's big catch down the sideline. Uh, they, they ran these like natural pick plays, rub plays. It, it was just well-designed. It had nothing to do with uh, a wide receiver looking like he was trying intentionally uh, to pick a player off. But the way they ran the routes were so crisp and so clean that it allowed players to kind of spring open and get open. And you're right, it was Trent Sherfield on that play with the touchdown. To Dawson Knox, that ended up being a the game deciding uh, touchdown in that matchup. So there were some good things that he definitely did. G Master G, one of our YouTube subscribers, I think they are better without Gabe Davis. He says, I think something is off there. Not sure what it is, but my friends and family have started to call him Donut Davis. What do you guys think is going on? You know, the Donut Davis part is, you know, uh, apropos, if you will, because he has had a bunch of you know, zero burgers this year. I mean, there was that stretch of three or four games where he didn't have a single catch. And this, I sense a level of frustration with Gabe. Like mm -hmm. I think this year set up to be a very important year for him. And this is an offense that really took off and um, at times was really good. They went through their struggles. They fired their offense quarter. I get all that, but it's still been in top five to seven offense in the league. And he's just not eating in it in a contract year. And I understand why you'd be frustrated with that. And he's, listen, he said all the right things. There's been times he been he was asked to talk after the game the other day. He obviously got injured. He declined, uh, looked really just disheartened, disappointed. Um, and I think he's going into an offseason, Ryan, where there's a lot of question marks about what is the market. I remember, you know, I'll bring it up right now when you start talking about this. But I remember, like, at one point we were talking about maybe $15 million yeah, 13 uh, to 15 season. million for, yeah, per uh, what we saw was projected. And, you know, I don't see that happen. I didn't see that happening even when that was the projection. A lot of the times the formula that, that gets used in these uh, is off the mark on some of the players where it's spot on with others. I just don't see that happening. He's still a younger guy. He's still someone that I think a team is going to covet, a team like the Giants, obviously, uh, who are looking for some wide receiver upgrades. Uh, the relationship with Brian Dable, you know, maybe you can convince him to go there, but I don't see him breaking the bank. He is not going to be uh, the type of player that teams are going to say, this guy can become our wide receiver number one. I do think he can still be a wide receiver two in the right offense. Uh, I think his best role in Buffalo has been when he's been that wide receiver three, though, and he's had, he was a, given a chance to come in and spell people off the bench early on in his career like he did. That's when I feel like he was at his best, when he could make the most difference, when he was at, at his freshest late in games. And unfortunately, in a contract year, this is a, a guy that is not going to be able to break the bank based on what he did in Buffalo. All right. Um, Scott, final uh, word on this I'll give to him. Gabe is trending towards a surprise re-signing at a cheap rate. Kind of reminds you of, uh, remember when Feliciano was hitting free agency and mm -hmm. You know, I think he thought, or even Poyer last year could be an example of this. Somebody that you you just write off. You think they're gone because there's going to be a market. Somebody's going to pay them. And then you, they get the free agency and it's like, oh, maybe there wasn't as much interest as once believed to be. And, or a Matt Milano situation with maybe there is some interest, but he just decides that his, his future is better in Buffalo. So I am not at all taking that off the table that they can find some type of common ground and bring him back. But I also think, 
you have to really start looking towards the next two to three years and the exit plan on digs. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even have to be an exit plan per se. Although, you know, there's always some conversation worth having about just like how long can two parties stay together, right? Like there's been some history now with the with Bill, the Bill's tenure for digs. And eventually the more things that pile up, the more you start getting to a place where maybe both parties say, okay, fresh start, let's let's mm-hmm. let's start a new situation. I'm not saying that they're there yet, but I always thought the natural progression for Diggs would be to to be primarily used in the slot at the later, like the twilight of his career. And you know, we've seen him in this year, like working out of the slot at times and looking really good. The Bills need to prioritize wide receiver this offseason. I think that they need to draft a wide receiver in the first or second round. Uh, be aggressive. You have a ton of draft capital. Go get the guy that you want. And you know, Brandon Bean said, you know, I don't ever want to be a, in a position to go get Jamar Chase or, or be bad enough to be in a spot to go get Jamar Chase. Okay, fine. Take three picks, move <laughs> all the way up into the top 10 right. and go get that guy. Call up your buddy, Joe Shane, who's going to have a chance at Malik neighbors uh, there at number seven or six, wherever they're drafting and go get that guy. And, and if you have to give up draft capital, give it up draft capital, because to me, they have to start thinking about that next one a, and that's not on the roster right now. And that's just saying, that's where the whole, process goes back to Gabe Davis. I think that creates a log jam if he comes back this year or next year, excuse me. And it makes it more complicated. Whoever you draft early on this year, and I'm with you on that first round, second round, I guarantee you most of my mock drafts this offseason will have the Bills taking a wide receiver in round one. Whoever it is, I want them on the field. You want them developing in season. It doesn't mean that they have to start the year truly as wide receiver two. Khalil Shakir has earned the right to uh, see a snap increase, obviously, but you want them to get comfortable in this offense sooner rather than later. You want to see what they bring to the table. Does this player that, that you know, wh- whoever it is, have the ceiling to be wide receiver one in this offense uh, as Stefan Diggs starts to decline in terms of production, in terms of, um, you know, the route running? And I think you'll always be an elite route runner, but there's a time where you lose a little bit of speed, you lose a little bit of, of something that makes it a little bit easier for you to be covered, so to speak. So, uh, you know, you want that person to get in here. If you bring Gabe Davis back, it just creates that complication. Now, if you get him back on a one-year deal at a great rate, I understand it, but I do think that you have to start hitting the the fast-forward button on this team in, in terms of we need to see who's going to be that heir apparent to Stefan Diggs, who can come in and learn from him for a few years before they can officially take over that role. Who, what is, you know, what are certain things that this offense is missing from a skill set perspective that this player X, Y, or Z in this draft class that you bring in around one or two brings that you're lacking. So I think that is the route that you go. Thank you so much for watching, everybody. We really appreciate it here on your Wednesday night. Got a little bit of a late start, but we are up and running. Hit that like button, subscribe to the channel as well. Let's get to Rasul Douglas, who... Mm -hmm. The knee injury, like I know a lot was made. I wrote about it, like him saying that he was talking to Dane Jackson on the sideline and uh, Dane was like, don't, don't force it your way back. I got you 100. I'll be in here. It'll be all good. Um, when we talked to Sean McDermott on Monday, like he didn't seem as uh, up to speed on that conversation as if that was like presented to him, like a real option. Uh, so that might've just been Rasul testing it on the sideline and then telling them he's good enough to go in, but they weren't considering putting him back in. I don't know. It, it, it was hard to read kind of between the lines with all that, but I think this is a spot where I'd be very careful about rushing Rasul Douglas back into the lineup. This is a matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers, which of course you're going to want your, your best cover corner, which is Douglas. Although Christian Benford's making a run for it with the way that he's been playing the last couple of weeks. Um, Dane Jackson, to me, in this game, it's a natural fit to play him because he is so much of a willing tackler, and you're going to need to tackle with your outside corners in the run game with how much the Pittsburgh Steelers lean on their run game. So I wouldn't rush Rasul Douglas back. If there's if he's not 100%, I am not putting him out there. And I'm not sitting here saying that they would, like, you know, test it and just say, ah, you know, He's good enough to play, but we're going to hold them out anyway. We talked about this pre-show. They're going to play the guys that are ready to play and are cleared to play. But if it's even close, if it's like a Jalen Waddle situation, it's like, you know, he's he's about there, but one more week would do a lot of good for his knee. You need Rasul Douglas against the Chiefs. You need Rasul Douglas against the Baltimore Ravens or the Cleveland Browns. 
San Francisco 49 let him get healthy. Yeah, it's more important to have him in those matchups where you're going against legitimate quarterbacks and, you know, pass heavy schemes potentially um, where you're looking at the forecast and we won't get too much into that. But you look at Pittsburgh and you think they're going to try to lean on the run game more than anything else. So maybe you can get away with Dane Jackson in this one. You can get away with Christian Benford in this one. But like you said, if he's good enough to go and the Bills feel comfortable with him being out there, he feels comfortable being out there. That is the best bet. They still do have George Pickens. They still have Deontay Johnson. Um, I don't believe much in their quarterback situation, Mason Rudolph, if he underperforms, if they did bring Kenny Pickett in late in the game. That doesn't instill much fear. It shouldn't instill much fear in you if you're the Bills. Uh, But like you said, if they're good enough to go, they're going to play. Uh, if they're not, you know, let them sit out that extra week. I know that it's it's win or go home at this point, but like you said, big picture, you need him for the, some of those games down the road. Scott's asking in the comments how many ter- uh, interceptions the Bills have this season. They rank second in the league, tied with the Ravens and the Browns, the Saints and the Giants with 18 picks. The 49ers and the Bears each had 22 picks. Uh, total turnovers, the Bills had... 30, which ranks second behind the Giants and the Ravens. Man, the Giants are a quarterback away from being really good, by the way. Like, um, and wait, you know, the whole Wink Martindale situation is his own interesting deal because, you know, that defense was really good this year. I mean, they turned over the ball at a high rate down the stretch. I felt like they were winning games because of that defense. The, the Giants are such an interesting team because they're they have a top 10 pick and their defense is right there. If they could just figure out uh, a way to get uh, some some consistent play from the quarterback position. Rasul Douglas, four picks to lead the Bills this season. Bernard, three picks, two for Benford, two for Hyde, two for Milano, who was on a crazy pace early in the season. Two for A.J. Apinesa. Shout out mm-hmm. to the big man, a defensive lineman. Uh, and then you have a trio with one apiece, Trey White, Taylor Rapp, and of course, the ball hawk himself at Oliver. Yeah. Real quick, shifting gears, man. I've seen it in here twice from AK Cash. Wondering about Linval Joseph. Do you think he plays? Yeah. And, and, you know, in the Shout Insider, that was one of the questions for tonight, too. So maybe jumping over there, he's been inactive the past two weeks. Do you see a path for Linval Joseph on Sunday? Yeah, and, and Pops Mafia said, who who do you think the healthy scratches on the Bills' defensive line are going to be? I really think they find a way to get Linval Joseph a jersey. And I'm wondering if this – the Von Miller thing is crazy to me. Like, it's so hard to predict what they're going to do. I feel like he's taking a roster spot. And I think this is a game where you almost probably feel more comfortable going for edge and because of how much you're leaning on Greg Rousseau and – um Leonard Floyd and then you just have those five interior players and you just kind of run through them a little bit and and maybe there are some looks where you could put a Tim Settle or a Puna Tim Settle if you remember back in Washington Ryan we we talked so much about his versatility because there were times in Washington they were using him on the edge he has that kind of get off that quickness and I think you could have some big run expecting the run kind of packages where you, you know, throw out maybe five defensive linemen, but I, I think they go heavy. I think they try to find a way to get Linval Joseph a, a Jersey, because I think you can make the argument that he's at the very worst, their third best interior run defender. And, and he takes up a ton of space and he's hard to get around. And, you know, again, you're going against a team that's probably going to try to run the ball, Matt. So it would make a lot of sense to get Linval Joseph out there, but it comes down to who do you take off the field? And I did see some Vaughn comments in here. I thought Vaughn actually had two really good pass rushes late in the game um, for Buffalo. I feel like one was on the play before the interception by Taylor Rapp, where Rapp broke up that pass to Tyree Kale, bounced in front of Christian Benford. And it might have been the Rapp interception as well. It was They were both late in the game. I'm, I'm trying to visualize them now because I was rewatching it recently. And he did show some some you know, a good pass rush move on those two plays got very close to two on both occasions. Um, Maybe he really is starting to turn a corner there. And if the bills are seeing that on tape, it'll be tough to get him off the field. You don't want to take a Shaq Lawson out of the lineup because he has been so good throughout his career in terms of setting the edge uh, in terms of stopping the run. So Greg Rousseau is an, uh, you know, he's not in play for this, but he's unbelievable in that regard too, by the way. Uh, I, I feel like, He's a player nationally that will never get his flowers for he was a first round pick, 
but he is unbelievable as a run stopper. You watch him, and maybe he's not getting the sack totals that you thought he would, but he is elite as a run stopper. So they do have guys on the edge that can stop the run as well. Um, but if they wanted to go heavy on the interior, who they keep out would be the tough decision. You've been, uh, is, is Joelle in the room? She is. Yeah. You've been, uh, I, I don't want cover your ears, Joelle. You've been doing some shopping. You've been doing some Valentine's day shopping, Ryan. You know, not yet. Uh, but you've been handing out a lot of flowers on this show over the last <laughs> couple of episodes. So I don't know uh -oh. if you're at 1-800-Flowers.com trying to, you know, give Joelle a really nice Valentine's day. I know she just had elbow surgery. We're glad yeah. to hear that she's doing better. I, I hope at least is she doing better. Yeah, she's still Hanging milking it, saying she's sore and in pain. I could see that. I could see that. No. Actually, you know, you know, it's no, I'm just kidding. Joelle, we hope <laughs> you're feeling better. And now you got to, she said, my, Caitlin said, never make that hideous face again. Because I was making a kind of a face there that she didn't like. But you know she what? Did not, not like that. Yeah, not every face can be, a, you know, a home run hitter, Ryan. Like not every face that I pull out on the show is going to be perfect, you know? So just right. let's let it lie. Let's let's let it be okay. Um. Yeah, Scott said, is she wearing the Gronk elbow brace around the house? She she did have a Gronk-style elbow brace going on She did, there. though. Yeah, wing nuts, and she'll be rocking that again, I'm sure, here in the near future. But we, we need to get the, like, the, the metal pieces on it to tighten it up. Then we're really talking. Okay. What's up, everybody? Matt Perino here, one half of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, here today to talk to you about Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million members. It is the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. You just pick more or less on two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. Testing your skills on prize picks this playoff basketball season is the most simple way to get in on the action. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and submit your lineup. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes prize picks the number one fantasy sports app download the app today and use code shout s-h-o-u-t for a first deposit match up to 100 dollars. again download the app today and use code shout s-h-o-u-t for a first deposit match up to 100 dollars. pick more pick less it's that easy so dotson being a uh limited participant in practice today that's that's huge news um, he was tweeting today. Uh, I get a kick out of Tyrell Dotson's Twitter feed. We talk about it all the time. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Andrew Spicer in the comments all the way over from UK. He said, have fun at Wingnuts this Saturday night. I'll be enjoying some KFC. Sorry, my man. That is just not the same. But <laughs> uh, you could watch the show live. It'll stream right here on YouTube, Facebook, and X Twitter. I called Twitter too. Faith from our um, insider group responded to your text today and said, you know, don't call it X, Ryan. Just call Twitter like, like you're supposed to. Um, the Bills are in a good spot. I, I thought Balen Spector played really well. Watching the, the game back, he was like firing to the football. Like I didn't feel like the moment was too big for him. He had one tackle for a loss. I don't think he got credited with it, but it felt like he stopped the guy in the back in, at the line of scrimmage. Maybe he got back to the line of scrimmage, but he was firing. He made a couple uh, tackles. The coverage grade wasn't as good, but again, that's it's a young player that got his first real extended playing time and he did so against the Miami Dolphins in the AFC East championship <laughs> regular season game I and mean, that's a huge spot for him yeah a huge spot for a, a player who had what less than 10 regular season snaps uh leading up to that point so and and like you remember when I was talking about this in the summer Balen Spector's arc this season is about as weird as anybody's he yeah, starts training camp bizarre. as like this entrenched person in the middle linebacker competition for one day. And then we never see it. See or hear from him again until the regular season. Yeah. He got that. He had one day starting and he was, he was actually great that day. We talked about it. We're like, Holy cow. Maybe he really is in this competition. And then it was never again. Uh, then, you know, you have an injury here and there. He misses some time. He comes back and the bills obviously have a lot of faith in him though, because it wasn't Dorian Williams that came onto the field. It was Balen Spector, who obviously has a longer time in this system in terms of an understanding of the scheme. Uh, so that works in his favor, obviously. But you're right. He, the whole scouting report on him was runs around like his hair is on fire. That felt appropriate for Sunday's game, the way that he was playing, getting to the ball. You hope Tyrell Dodson can play because 
he has been great as well. Someone that you know, we I don't think either of us saw uh, having this kind of impact on the defense through during the summer, but he really has come along uh, well too for this team. Um, the, a lot of people asking about the weather. I mean, it was it's been a very big talking point for the last couple of days. I mean, the early uh, reports show wind snow lake effect snow potentially um we are actually going to have on glenn coin uh from syracuse.com tomorrow for a full breakdown of what the weather is going to be like so make sure you tune into that i also have an interview coming tomorrow with mike sando from the athletic where we take a little bit of a step back talk about some of the big storyline type things that happened with the bills looking back the joe brady move what his offseason might look like and how much of a appetite there might be for brady around the league What's next for Ken Dorsey? We talked Sean McDermott. We talked MVP because Mike Sando has a vote. Uh, it's a really good conversation. That'll that'll go out tomorrow along with uh, uh, the the weather stuff. So hang in there. But I said it on the on the radio today, Ryan. I, I don't think the weather is this big bad oh no scary situation. I think at this point with this group of players, it's old news. Like these guys have played in this. A bunch of times. And I know it didn't go well last year against the Bengals, but I don't think that like the number one culprit in that game was the weather. No, the number one culprit definitely was not the weather. They were out coached, out schemed, out played. Uh, I think there was the emotional toll on the team as well. Weather was not a, a main reason why. Uh, you could look at the routes, you could look at the, the, the play calls too, mind you, and that factors into the weather a little bit. But overall, the weather itself was not a reason that they lost. And both of these teams, Buffalo and Pittsburgh, have played in this type of weather before. Um, there's a ton of veterans on, on both of these squads that are going to know what to do. But for Buffalo, it, it's not a reason for this team to stumble against Pittsburgh. When you look at these rosters, um, Buffalo has a significantly higher level of overall talent. That's not to say that Pittsburgh doesn't have some great players because they do. But with T.J. Watt out of action in this one, uh, the Bills should still be able to to pull away, win this one, uh, even if the weather is less than ideal. Um, I'm going to play this video real quick because it's super cool. And um, we're at Wingnuts again this weekend, Ryan. Uh, yeah. You'll be in on Saturday. You're going to go to the game and cover it with me on Sunday. Uh, we, we did a little bit of a hype video uh, this weekend uh, or uh, two weekends ago at the new Wingnuts. Uh, it's the trailer for our next live event, which is this Saturday night, 6 p.m. It starts. The show will be at about 7, but come out, hang. We have uh, chicken wings. We have uh, beers, delicious beers. We have all this cool stuff. And then we did a um, hype video, and I'm going to see if I can play it right now because it was super cool. But how much do you just absolutely love these live events? I, I look forward to them every time they <laughs> They come along. I thought I was muted there when you started putting that up on the screen. But, yeah, I always look forward to it, Matt. All right. Is this in the full screen now? Can you see it big? I just see us off on the side and that us in the middle. All right. Here we go. See if this plays. Here we go. Right. Okay. So they can't hear it? No. No volume. No. All right. Oh, that's a great That's a great pause right there. Because uh, that's my son, Lucas, like right in the middle of the screen there. Um, okay, so there's no audio. So my wife just texted me. God, such a loving wife. Oh, like no. all the time. She's so loving. She's so caring. <laughs> she goes, there's no sound, idiot. <laughs> Jeez. I was trying to play it, man. Like, come on. Like, I, it can't always be perfect. That she texted, love is in the air. All right. Tell people why they should come out to Wingnuts, because I'm going to try to download this video real quick. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, ton of reasons to come out to Wingnuts. One, come hang out with Matt and myself. We will be there at 6 p.m., hanging out for an hour, do our live show at 7, and then we'll be hanging out with you after. You know, we can even uh, – I'm sure Peacock's – and I'm sure Wingnuts is going to have Peacock for this game, so we can also watch Chiefs versus Dolphins as well. So is hang it a out with us. exclusive? Peacock exclusive. That's brutal, so, dude. Like, I'm kind of tired brutal. of these Peacock exclusives. I get it. I understand that. It's understandable. But right, uh, that's one reason. Two, obviously the chicken wings. However, that menu is great. What is up, Bills Mafia? Matt Perino is here with... Ryan Talbot. And we are the hosts of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast every single month. We come to Wingnuts. Now we're at the new home of Wingnuts, 1402 Millersport Highway. Come out and see us next time. Why should they do it, Ryan? Matt... 
great wings, great food in general, great beers, and man, what an atmosphere. An atmosphere, a party. It's a party every single time. Don't believe me? Check this out. All right, so next time is Saturday. Saturday. It's yeah. here. Sorry, I cut you off, but the, the video played and I didn't want to stop it. We're no, understandable. We're, we're and just, it covered just it. Doing tech stuff all the, the time, like just yeah. new inventions. That's right. New menu, though pizza, chicken sandwich, uh, appetizers, you name it. Check it out. Make sure you're there on Saturday with us. Um, Anyway, Scott Moreno says, I'm coming out exclusively to talk to the Wingnuts owner about delivering some wings to the UK for Andrew <laughs> Spicer. That's amazing. Great stuff. All right. Uh, where we go? Oh, we got a transition now to it is insider time. We That's put right. out a, a call to action on the Shout Buffalo Bills insider text line. Uh, we asked for questions. What do you want us to talk about? You get direct access to us when you become a Shout Insider. You can text 716 528 six seven two seven um just send a text say hi say what's up say go bills i know that's a common refrain um then reply then sign up you get a two-week free trial 3.99 a month after that uh and the shout insider text line is brought to you by carrie c buyer of the litro law group uh he's an attorney with the law offices of francis m litro located at 237 main street Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give them a call. 716-852-1234 or check out LitroLaw.com. All right, Ryan, where are we starting? Well, let's get started with uh, Joe DeSorbo. And, you know, he had a good question, but he also backed it up uh, with a lot of evidence and points to his case. He said, how is Josh Allen not the MVP and first team all pro pick? If he had five less turnovers, would he be the MVP? Please explain how Lamar Jackson is better than Josh Allen. Here's his case. He led the NFL in total yards and touchdowns. Scored 86% of Buffalo's TDs. Best record versus playoff teams, 5-1, and one, and lost the one in overtime. Best PFF grade versus playoff teams. Third highest PFF passer grade. Fourth highest rushing, which is the highest among quarterbacks. Fewest sack quarterback, second in terms of big time throws, and third in turnover worthy play. I'm with you. Like, I don't think the Lamar Jackson argument is as slam dunk of a conversation as a lot of people want to act like it is. Now, what is the award? Is it the most important player on the best team? Like, if that's the definition of the war the award, then of course I don't know how you can decide defend or or not go with the Lamar Jackson just because of how dominant Baltimore has been, especially down the stretch here. Uh, they haven't had any lulls in their season. They're the number one seed in the AFC. And, you know, they absolutely beat up the the other best team in the NFL. And that's the San Francisco 49ers a couple of weeks ago. So I get that rationale, but if you're just telling, you're just trying to make an argument for the most valuable player to a team, there is no more valuable of a player to a team than Josh Allen. I mean, he literally, leads the league in total touchdowns, and he, and he has the most percentage of his team's touchdowns of any player in the NFL. So I, I'm here for the argument, and I don't want to spoil it too much, but I talked about this with Mike Sando, and I definitely tune into that episode tomorrow because he had some really interesting uh, comments on this, uh, and, and I don't think it's his – I think Lamar Jackson's going to win, but I definitely think it's going to be challenging for people to go through the thought exercise and come out the other end. And that's fair. And, you know, my my answer to his question, I guess, would be a little bit of recency bias. You mentioned the 49ers game, and, and the Ravens just absolutely uh, blew them out of the water in that game, and Lamar played well. You go to his last game of the, reg of the regular season against Miami, and you look at the way that they put up uh, big points in that matchup as well, perfect passer rating, plenty of touchdowns. Those are going to be the plays in the back of the mind of, of some of these voters, the fact that they were first in the AFC uh, top record in the conference, and that doesn't make it right because, as Joe pointed out, there's a lot of stats that, that favor Josh Allen. That's just kind of where I'm coming from and why I think that Lamar Jackson will probably ultimately win this. Yeah, and that's fine. Uh, I don't think we have to spend a lot of time on this. Check, yeah. check out that conversation tomorrow with Mike Sando. It's a good one. Um, some comments in here about Mike McDaniel, and I will say – so my overall, because he was heavily featured on the Hard Knocks episode, mm -hmm. and 
you know, at times during the episode, I just come away from it. Like he just seems like such a goofy guy. Like it's such a weird dynamic, like being in the dolphins locker room. Like if you're a football player and you have this super ultra young, like small kind of meek looking coach that is like, just has off the wall communication methods. And some of his sayings are just strange. And like, I don't know, like I can't put my finger on what I really truly think about Mike McDaniel, because some days I I'll, I'll be listening to him in a press conference. And I'm like, wow, that was really well said, like really well thought out. And I'm like, he's just, and, and you can't poke any holes in him as a play caller, uh, an offensive mind. Like he is one of the best young offensive minds, best young football minds in the game. Um, but he does seem like he is not been able to meet the moment, you know, mm-hmm. it, especially against the bills. Like it's been a dominant series since Josh Allen was drafted, but really in recent years, like Mike McDaniel was supposed to be the guy that turned this thing around. They barely won one of the five games that they played. And the only reason it happened was because of the heat. And I know Marcel sits down there and does not want to make that a, an excuse. The bills literally lost at some point in that game for an extended period of time, half of their starting players in that game. Come on. That is an unrealistic and they only lost by two points. This has been right. a series utterly dominated by the Bills. And all these comments about the the faces that McDaniel was making during the game, I think he feels that. Like, I think he feels the dominance that's happened. Like, he's got probably got to sit over there and look at Sean McDermott, the way Jerron and uh, Gailey and Phillips, uh, all yeah. of them, looked at Bill Belichick all those years. And, and that's fair. And it probably, you know – it probably weighs on him too. The whole, he might say it doesn't, but the whole national conversation about the, they're not beating t- the good teams. Uh, yes, they were able to defeat Dallas, but every other winning team this year, they weren't able to defeat. And this has been a problem for them now for two years. And Dallas uh, handed them that game too. Yeah, the they did. They did. Um, but y- you look at this, this roster and they paid big money after they were able to acquire Tyree kill. They traded a first-round pick and and things for Bradley Chubb. They acquired Jalen Ramsey. They added a ton of talent to this roster, but it, they're they're older players in some cases in terms of uh, how much longer their prime is. Uh, you, you have a lot of money invested in them, and then yet you also have to invest some money here in the very near future in Tua and Jalen Waddell and some of these younger players you have. And it really makes you wonder how open this window is for them to make a run in the AFC, because it gets a lot tougher once you pay your quarterback and conversations are going to be had there with, with Tua and some other young players on this squad. So I think that gets to him a little bit. I think he's outstanding with the media. I think he's very quick on his feet in these media sessions. He does a good job of handling the the media in Miami his message, though, in some of the episodes I've watched of Hard Knocks, it's it, it's kind of the same thing over and over in terms of we have to we have to do this, we have to rise to the occasion. People are going to keep saying this in, until we actually get over that hump. And, and I don't know how inspiring he is to the players. Uh, not to sit here and say that Sean McDermott is this awe-inspiring uh, coach to the players, but you can tell that he has the respect of that locker room. They listen when he talks and. He has a track record of winning the AFC East now four years in a row and uh, guiding this team to the playoffs almost every year that he's been here. So it, it comes with time. It's only McDan- Mike McDaniel's second year as uh, the head coach in Miami, and McDaniel has done a really nice job there to date, but there's not much to show for it uh, at this point. Um, I will say on McDaniel, you know, my, I watch it with Caitlin and we were talking about it after. It's like you learned a little bit about his story and some of the – you know, he, he had a problem with alcohol, uh, lost a couple NFL jobs. Um, and you kind of just get to know the person a little bit more and you kind of have a different view of them from that perspective. And that's a pretty cool story. Whenever people are able to overcome some things that they have challenges in their life and they're able to kind of get to their dream uh, and fight through it and how much his wife was there for him. It, it was it, it was cool to watch that part of it. And that's one thing I like about those shows is like you get to see behind the curtain and learn a little right. bit more about the people in it all. And I will say like, if you see the exchanges that he's had 
verbally with Bill's players. And you saw the Josh Allen Tua conversation after the game, which I think, you know, goes to tell you the respect that's on both sides of the line there and talking about how much he wants to, you know, maybe play him in the playoffs in a couple of rounds. I mean, it, as much of it, it's a rivalry like Bill's Dolphins and sometimes some of the toxic stuff that goes on between the fan bases on, on social media. I mean, geez, a, a person was shot and killed yeah. down there after the yeah. game. I mean, sending out condolences to his family. I mean, that's it's awful. Just absolutely awful. When I saw that story, it just it puts a pit in your stomach because, you know, how many times walking out of these buildings, you see, you know, some of those intense like exchanges. And at any time, this kind of stuff could turn, take a bad turn in it. It really just, it's, it's a game. <laughs> like, right. like it, it's really like just disheartening and sad. So uh, that's, that was brutal for sure. Yeah. Thoughts go out to uh, Dylan Isaacs and his family and his loved ones and uh, senseless, you know, like you said, this is a game at the end of the day. It's nothing that should be taken that seriously. Even, you know, Tyreek Hill had a, a good post on it as well on Twitter or X where he commented on it as well. So what did he um, say? I didn't see it. I'll have to I'll have to pull it back up, but I saw him. I'll see if I can find it right now. Yeah, pull it, Bob. And I, I, I want to switch gears here quickly um, before we get to some more questions. And if we don't get all your questions, I think we're going to do another podcast tomorrow where we dive into a couple more questions. Um, and if not, we'll we'll find a place to use it. We we got this show on uh, Saturday as well. Uh, we'll get to as many of the insider questions as we can over the next couple of days. Um, I want to talk briefly about Josh because you know coming out of that game. He talked about like mechanically how good he felt throwing the ball. And I think to me, that is huge news for a guy that was a week removed in New England talking about how poorly he threw the ball. And, mm -hmm. you know, Joe Brady went back to a little bit of basics last week in practice. They, they worked a little bit more in the individual periods on just technique, mechanically, like fundamentals, like how the ball is coming out of his hands. And he said he thought he spun it really well during the week. And you saw that play out, which to me, I'm looking towards the playoffs, and I, and I said this to Bulldog today on the on the radio. That's huge. Like if 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 Josh is entering like his, um, I was gonna say happy place for some reason. I think I must have just seen Happy Gilmore or something. But like if he's entering like that 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 zone, that mode that he goes into when he's really like feeling it in terms of how he throws the ball, the accuracy, the the vision, all those kinds of things. And we saw it at times. Like he was a Steph Diggs missed deep ball away from an absolute smoke show of a game like 400 plus passing yards um three touchdowns he never even had to run one in and then i think if he has that game like if he hits that digs touchdown i might sit here and bang the drum and say that he should be the mvp and i think you can make the you can make the argument already like we've discussed um but i wanted your take on something a little bit different like the balancing act that he goes through in a weekly basis like the mm -hmm. highs and the lows of his game. And like, I'd argue that the lows, like the interception in the red zone or the sack fumble, those are moments where I don't think it's any necessarily anything he's doing. It's more my concern is with what's going on up here when he makes those mistakes. Like, I don't care if you throw an interception in the red zone, but like on third and short, when you're facing a zero blitz, you have to understand that situationally, it's almost better to just take a sack, kick the three points and get out of there rather than sacrifice those points. And then if you lose in a one score game on the road against the Dolphins, that to me is why I killed him so hard uh, at halftime of that game, because right. situationally in the playoffs, you have to take it to the next level. Do you think you could see a stretch of four games where he does take it up a step situationally? I do. Uh, I think there is a, a scenario or a situation where that happens. I mean, we saw it already in the playoffs before. We saw it just a few years ago where Allen was playing. No quarterback was playing better than he was, and it just took a uh, defensive letdown in that 13 seconds against the Chiefs, but he, he had a perfect game against the Patriots. He, he came in to Arrowhead and was throwing the ball around with a lot of confidence and playing at, at a very high level, so I I feel like he can do this because he's already shown he can do that. Uh, I think that uh, Joe Brady has done a good job of taking certain things out that have, you know, have already taken away some potential turnovers, things that he was doing early on in the season. But yeah, it was frustrating against Miami. The first one might've been a miscommunication. It might've been on Gabe Davis. It might've just been, I thought you're going to just sit here on that play based on, you know, the pressure he was seeing. Uh, the second interception, he kind of threw up because it's better to just 
give a player a chance than throw the ball out of out of bounds on a fourth down play and turn the ball over. But I thought he had um, Dalton Kincaid open on that play right off of the snap. He was rolling to the uh, Kincaid was going out to the left. I thought you had him. He turns up field and gets the first down. So little things like that, the strip fumble on the sack, he took a lot of points off the board, but he's also shown that when he is in that zone that he can limit the turnovers, he can lead this team and he can carry them. So I do think it's possible, Matt. Shout out to our guy, Sid Vicious. Uh, You can follow him over on Twitter. I I think he's, he's a great Bills follow. Um, Very uh, astute in our conversations with him. And he brings up a good point that, you know, for as hard as I was on Josh Allen at halftime of that game, not enough talk has been has there been about James Cook's drops drop touchdown. If he catches yeah. that ball, you never get to that Ty Johnson situation. And and I agree. I mean, that's a spot like not only does it have repercussions in the moment, but it has repercussions like moving forward. Like that's going to be in the back of J- Josh Allen's mind every single time. And he, and I'm sure if you asked him, he'd, he'd say the right thing. And he'd say like, I have full confidence in him and I'm going to go back to him. But you know, that th- those plays are so precious in the red zone that when you have that kind of thing, it's like, you, you'd think he'd, he'd almost be hesitant to throw to Gabe Davis at this point with now two right. or three of those miscommunication interceptions down there. Yeah. I do think he does have confidence on James Cook, despite the drops, because you go back to the Eagles game. James Cook had a touchdown drop off of his hands in that one. And then against Dallas, though, he found him on the wheel route. He found him uh, in the seam for a touchdown. He was targeting him. He was doing a, a really good job of you know, getting him the ball. But it's very frustrating to see a ball go right off of a player's hands that was deemed the most, uh, you know, the, the best pass catching back in the draft class last year. And to see those drops it is frustrating. It's something that needs to get cleaned up for sure. And real quick, before I forget, uh, Tyree Kills said, football is supposed to bring us together, not divide us. Remember that part uh, about the Bills fan that passed uh, after the game on Sunday. So, you know, well said by Tyree Kill in terms of um, this is not supposed to be something that divides us, especially something to that extreme. You know, you, you can have an argument with a buddy over how a game went. That's one thing, but this is just uh, horrific and uncalled for. Um, Yeah. AK cash guys out uh, calls out. Vicious said, uh, said that uh, he was an OG bills YouTuber and his post game bills vids during the drought were heroic. Uh, That's a direct quote. So shout out to to him. He's always engaging with our content. He's great. Great dude. Uh, We got a bunch of great like OGs. I mean, pops mafia has been with us from, from the beginning, we see him out at training camp. Scott Moranto, we met him out. He's come to a bunch of our live events. I mean, I could literally go through dozens of names that like I can remember from the very early parts of this podcast. And it yeah. always uh it hits us, man. It's it's super cool to just have this community that we built. Absolutely, Matt. Um, it, it's it the support that we've received from this fan base is unbelievable. Every time we do one of these live shows and we see the people that show up, uh, it's humbling. It's absolutely hum- humbling for sure. Adrian Sheffield, let's go to him next. And if you got one more question, we'll take two more questions yeah. in this episode, and then we'll come back with more uh, tomorrow. After the Bengals playoff game, Isaiah McKenzie said that the play calling pass routes were not the best plan for the game in snowy and wet conditions. Do you think that Brady will make the right adjustments and develop a game plan more conducive for a slippery field and poor playing conditions? Now, so here's the thing about this weather report. And of course, I want to save most of this for tomorrow with uh, Glenn, but I don't think it's going to be a slippery kind of game. Like, I think it's going to be freezing cold. Like, I think it's going to be windy, freezing. And I don't know if it's going to be as wet as it's going to be just like snowy um, blowing around. So I think it's going to be a little bit of a different um vibe in terms of the game. I don't think it's going to look exactly the same, but either way, like I think Joe Brady has to first of all, you have that in your back pocket, that playoff game at home when things weren't going well. What adjustments did Ken Dorsey make? Your coaching staff make at the time? What what adjustments didn't you make and how do you get that going? Like if I remember correctly, like I'll have to go back and look at the stats. Did you feel like they really were, they stuck with the run in that game? Like I, I felt like Josh no. threw it a lot. I'm going to go back. Yeah, it, it did feel that way. So no, I wouldn't say they stuck with that at all. And you know, the one thing I will say about Joe Brady is he seems to have a good feel for the game. Uh, you, you look at the game against Miami last week in the way that 
he was able to move this offense up and down the field. I'm sure he's, you know, the Dallas game, the way that he utilized the run based on something he saw. I'm sure he's going to keep the weather conditions, the the winds potentially, things like that in the back of his mind when he is putting together this game plan. And I think Bill's fans should give him the benefit of the doubt based on what we've seen from him thus far. Yeah, it was uh, six carries for Singletary, 25 yards, five for Cook, 13 yards. Josh Allen was the leading rusher. Eight carries, 26 yards, and a touchdown. That just can't be the the, the way that it works in a game like that. Like, you right. need to have some production from your run game. Um, you know, I think Ty Johnson, you know, being a limited participant in practice today is a good sign. Like, I think that he is might make enough progress, and then you can go with the same look that you had last week where it's um, James Cook. You call up uh, playoff Lenny from the practice squad, you keep Latavius Murray down and you go with Ty Johnson in that situation. If Ty Johnson's not out of the concussion protocol by then, then I think you just go with Murray and Fournette, uh, mm-hmm. which to me, I'm not super bummed out about that. If I'm the bill just because I think that those two backs are a little bit more built for that. Um, kind not that they're more built than Ty Johnson. I I'm still Ty Johnson greater than everything they have in that room at this stage of all of their careers outside of cook. But in a in a pinch, you can go to those two guys, and you trust them more. I think overall in pass protection. Yeah, uh, agreed. Especially the pass protection part because that was although a big Ty's reason. been good in pass protection. I will give he's, that he's been good, that. but that's why Latavius Murray's been on the field as much as he has been when he's been active. And uh, last week against Miami, Leonard Fournette was really good in terms of pass blocking, and he's done that before uh, as well. So in his career. Uh, so the Bills probably or definitely have faith in him in that regard. You know, a lot of the questions that I do have remaining are, are more Pittsburgh preview centric. So we could probably bring those back on uh, Saturday night at wing nuts. But th- there is one here about Gabe. If he's banged up, do you see an, an elevation like Andy Isabella or anyone else potentially coming up for this game? You know, I don't know. I, I think that they'd probably be comfortable going in with four, knowing that, they're, they can lean on some 12 in a game like this if they're going to be physical and you know keep Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid on the field. Quentin Morris, if he's up, like I mentioned, he's a he's a core special teamer. I don't think that he's going to be down for this game. Uh, and if you don't bring up Isabella and Davis is down, that gives you that extra defensive lineman spot, and then you don't have to make any real change on that department. You're going to have to pull from somewhere on offense to be able to get that um, uh, extra defensive line, which I think in this game against this team, to me, that's the only way the Pittsburgh Steelers can win this game. And I don't want to get too far into that, but like running the ball down the bill's throat consistently over the course of the game, the bills turn it over a, a little bit, the defense not turning it over again because they're able to lean on the run game. To me, that's the, the ticket. And I think Linval Joseph active really helps them in that department. Mitigate. Yeah. hundred percent. So, Andy Isabella has only been up what once in, in the season, you know, twice. Yeah, and it was just a blah. Too, but too yeah, small. he didn't really do much, and and you know, I know he had some good days during the summer. I don't see the Bills bringing him up and, and having much of a role for him. And you know, in a game like this, like you said, go with the, the four that you have. Know that you can put James Cook, line him up as a wide receiver if you have to. Uh, at times, have some of the have the four net in the backfield, although four net uh, obviously 73 receptions last year, too. So you can use your backs as pass catchers as well, uh, utilize them a lot differently. But you're right, I, I think for this game plan, I don't see an Isabella type elevation in, in this matchup. That's not to say that he couldn't get elevated later in the playoffs if there was an injury or if Gabe Davis's injury was prolonged. This doesn't seem like the matchup for it, though. Um, AK cash asking about Justin shorter. He's down for the year. Uh, the bills didn't activate him at the end of his 21 day practice window. So his season is over, which I feel like was always kind of the, the natural, uh, progression. Um, but we'll see, uh, Scott Morano disagrees. So, uh, he says, Andy Isabella will be up if Gabe can't go. So, all right, we'll talk about that on, uh, on Saturday, Scotty, come on out to uh, wing nuts 1402 millersport highway uh we cannot wait it is going to be an absolute party matt milano not a possibility of return uh i don't think sean mcdermott was very um you know didn't seem very hopeful when that was brought up i'm never going to say never you never know uh he's traveling with the team which is definitely a good thing but i believe he told somebody uh in the locker room a couple weeks ago um i can't remember so i don't want to say but 
I just feel like it's it's trending in a way that I don't think he's going to be able to get back. Uh, but we'll continue to follow up on that. All right. We are brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, saving you more. That was always the jingle back in the day, Ryan, and it always is the first thing that comes to mind. Get yourself a breakfast pizza if you're going out to the tailgates on Sunday. It's going to be cold. Warm yourself up with a delicious Tops breakfast pizza, and you can download the Tops Markets mobile app and order the breakfast pizza right on the, on your phone. Go in, pick it up. Uh, get the most out of your shopping experience. Check out all the amazing benefits you have at the palm of your hand. Download the Tops Markets mobile app today. Visit topsmarkets.com slash mobile app for more details. For Scott, in the comments, we'll see you on Saturday. You better show up. Talking a lot of game. I saw you reply on Facebook, so I'm holding you to it. For Ryan, I am Matt. We will see you tomorrow. We'll see you on Saturday. Come out and join us at Wing Nuts. Take care, everybody.